I'm Aria Schwartz, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. August 31st was a big night in the WNBA, as each game has so much impact. I am here with Miles Ehrlich, Windsider staff writer, to discuss the Mystics-Connecticut Sun game that just took place. show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our amazing stats written content on windsider.com and remember downloading that episode makes our stats look better your listening experience better and allows us to continue doing this important work my last plug you want to sponsor an episode or sponsor something else that's part of the monster that's taking over the women's basketball world, email info at winsider.com. Miles, how's it going? I've also realized that every time I say your last name, I want to say it in a pirate accent. I won't do it. But how are you doing? What are your thoughts uh, kind of coming off of this game? And, and before we get into the game, I guess, what are your thoughts? What were your thoughts going into this game for the Sun and the Mystics? So first of all, thanks for having me, Arye. It's always fun to talk about the Sun, just talk about the W. Uh, going into this game, the Sun have been rolling. They've won, if you if you excuse that exhibition Commissioner's Cup game that doesn't count, they had won eight in a row heading into last night's game. And they've been doing it by just crushing teams on the board. So heading into last night's game, when they were playing a team in the Mystics that were missing... Tina Charles and Elaine Deladon, and thinking that the last time that these two teams faced each other when the Mystics were shorthanded, back on June 29th, the Sun won that rebounding battle 52 to 13 in a game in which John Quell Jones had 16 and out rebounded the entire team. That was what I was keeping an eye on last night, and that didn't disappoint. Um, the the front court of John Quell and Bree Jones went off for 53 points and 24 rebounds yesterday. It was it was quite impressive. Um, I mean, like obviously there's there's many storylines, right? Delana Bonner playing Eric McCall, her sister, um, Landelga not playing, Tina Charles not playing, um, and just overall an interesting game because as anyone who knows about the WNBA standings, just to break it down for you, the Connecticut Sun are the number one team in the league right now. While you have the Washington Mystics placed at number nine, really trying to find their way into that top eight so they can make the playoffs because they have a roster that has two MVPs, Elena Deladonte and Charles, both of them not playing. But you got to think if they can hold those players up, you know, you have to save them for the last few games. They make it to the playoffs, plug them in. Hopefully they can make a deep run. Obviously there's some question marks there. Obviously uh, there's reasonable, legitimate question marks there, right? Like adding two players to a team. Two players who have never really played together, much more than, you know, Miles and I have played together in basketball, right? Like, we've talked about it, we've thought about it, but it hasn't really happened much. Um, so, really interesting situation for the Mystics, really a do-or-die game. I want to talk about the Mystics real quick, just for a moment. I know, Miles, your focus is the Connecticut Sun. I want your insight because you've watched them. 
don't feel the pressure to, you know, have some uh, mind-blowing epiphanies. But for me, like, it's a pretty simple situation for the Mystics. Um, Natasha Cloud. Like, this is a smart team. They're a heady team. They play good defense uh, most of the time at times. Offense can get a little stagnant at times. But Natasha Cloud has, you know, a few years ago, I remember running into her and her manager and just being like, look, you." they asked me my opinion about, you know, the Mystics plan. I was like, if you guys want to be a championship team, Cloud, you need to be more of a scoring threat. You need to be looking to, to score. Because I think too often she accepts the role of, hey, there's superstars on my team and I need to facilitate to them to make sure they get their own and they get going. And she kind of doesn't necessarily be as aggressive for scoring. Now, that said, if you look at the stats of this game, okay, she didn't have the greatest game. She had two for 10, right? Ends with five points. Uh, coming off the game before, I think she had 21 points, mostly in the third quarter. But she's one of those players that, yes, yeah, she has the ability to facilitate and, and, and bring other people's levels up. But for this team to be good, they really need to stretch the floor and have the ability to have so many players who are scoring. And so often, Natasha Cloud just takes herself out of the game as a scoring threat. Um, and other side note that might be a little crazy, but I want your opinion on this, Miles, because watching last night, I kept thinking about this. Is Ariel Atkins... Uh, just the same player as Alicia Gray? Like, uh, am I crazy for comparing them? I can, I don't know if I would have made that comparison, but I could see just based on the two-way play and just the efficiency um, and also just being a lefty and, and getting and getting shots I didn't even up. think about the lefty aspect of that. Mind blown. Uh, but Natasha Cloud, I mean, I, it was interesting to see the way that I see Ariel Atkins and I see um, Alicia Gray is I, I'm sometimes wondering if we're going to see the same play out of them, regardless of who's surrounding them on the court, mm. where they feel like they are locked into a role and that that doesn't necessarily change in the nights where a Tina or an Elena isn't there or for Dallas, a night where Enrique shots aren't falling. Right. And you need to get more out of them. Like there's the, the floor is really high but I'm always curious to see if they could rise to that next ceiling. And I think that that's something that you've talked about a little bit so far with Natasha Cloud, where the the game was close in the first half um, for a large part of the first half. And from the very, very beginning, Natasha Cloud came out and was aggressive and she scored or assisted on the first four buckets. So it was like they were, the Mystics were up early and Cloud had 12 assists. She was facilitating really well last night. Um, but even back to the game before that, that really important comeback win for them, like you said, she had 21 points, but it was all in the second half. So needing to, to flip a switch and, and there are a lot of guards in this league that sometimes need to be told, like it's, it's go time that you need to have the ball in your hand. And that the, the most dangerous offense for us is when you're a threat to score, because that's going to open it up for everyone else. And I think with Cloud, even though yesterday, obviously, tonight, uh, last night, the shooting, the shots didn't fall as much. But just to have her out there as someone that you need to know can beat you off the dribble, that can generate some offense, um, it just makes the entire team so much better. Oh, totally. And, you know, the story for the Mystics, honestly, all season, it, if you break down the Mystics season into halves, or if you break down the Mystics' games in two halves. They're great in the first half. 
they're horrible in the second half. Excuse me. Like, it, it's just as simple as that. And that's why the importance of having a player like Natasha Cloud step up, like you were talking about in the second half last game, or I guess now two games ago, was so important. But we saw that fall off. Fall off. My Minnesota accent just came out there a little bit with the foul off. Um, but, I mean, you look at just the collapse in the second half. Obviously, fourth quarter, a little bit different story. Connecticut Sun score 11, Washington Mystics 22. Uh, really seal off that game. But at that point, for the most part, it was pretty much a done game. But let's, let's flip the script. Let's talk about the Connecticut Sun. They're the number one team in the league. I got some questions for you. One, what makes the Sun team so scary? We talked about it a little bit before uh, we got in this episode, kind of how like they play playoff-style basketball all season long. Is that what makes them so scary? I, to me, it's the fact that they force opponents to slow down their game and play at their speed. Yeah, well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to pitch the article that I wrote last week for Windsider, um, Black Hole Sun, How Connecticut's Pace Swallows Opponents, because Tweeting I spoke about exactly right that. Uh, the, the Sun are last in terms of pace in the league and are significantly below the league average, and they're doing so somewhat out of necessity. So they came into this season where they came into the season and just a month before they were getting ready to tip off, Alyssa Thomas, who was, who is their everything, who is their, their leader, who is just their, their point forward, who's their defensive anchor, uh, goes down with an Achilles injury overseas. And they still sign her to a deal. She's still getting max money. But because of that, they can't afford the 12th roster spot. Um, so they're ro- rolling with 11, but they're actually rolling with 10 because they're holding Alyssa Thomas on the roster. So now they're at 10. They're one injury away from qualifying for hardship every time out. Uh, so what they're doing is they're leaning on their starters more than any other team in the W. All five of their starters average north of 30 minutes a game. And no other team in the WNBA has more than three players above that threshold. So a lot of the the play is... It's intentional. It's Kurt Miller talks about it's very, very intentional because of their personnel that they have to play slower, but they're also playing through their front court. They're playing through Brianna Jones. They're playing through Jonquil Jones. And and even Dewana Bonner is often going to push the pace. And then if there's not a free layup there, she's going to back it out and they'll slow it down. So they're not trying to score too much on turnovers. Um and they're actually struggling with turning it over a bit themselves because they're forcing it into the post so much. But yeah, it's a very, very intentional style of play. But what that leads to is rebounding. So they lead the league. They don't lead the league in number of rebounds because they play so slowly, but they lead the league in percentages of rebounds grabbed. And they limit uh, their opponents' rebound percentages. During this nine-game win streak, they've out-rebounded their opponents 320 to 219. So by over 100 rebounds, and in these games, they're averaging 35.3, opponents are averaging 24.3. They're winning the rebound battle by more than 11 rebounds a game. It's just phenomenal, and it's just smothering, and it's so difficult if you're an opposing team trying to get up a second shot because you just missed one over the 6-6 point forward center everything that John Quell is, and you can't chase down a rebound and get another easier look. I wish I had 2K just so I could make a team full of John Quells 
and uh, just just see what happens. Um, another question for you, and I appreciate the stats you're bringing because I got I got a lot of questions for you. The son of the number one team right now in the standings, and they've been there, you know, not the whole season, but a nice chunk where I think it's respectful, right? We're not talking about oh they hopped in there for one day, but we know they'll be gone. You know what I'm talking about? Like early on in the season. No shade, but when Liberty, I think, were like number one, and everyone was like, eh, just wait. Um, the son of number one, but I'm not seeing the same hype or fear, maybe, for this team that we've seen for the Seattle Storm recently, just as recently as this season, like early on in the season. So I'm curious for you as somebody who is wise about the league, not just the Connecticut Sun, but when you look at this, why do you think that is? Am I out of pocket? Or is there something to what I'm saying? Or, or has the evenness of the league, the parity in the league, reached a point where, you know, the sun, the storm, the, there's so many S teams, the storm have dropped down to uh, normal human status as opposed to godly status that they've been recently? Well, when you look at those two teams, the first thing that the the Storm is going to have working in their favor is the fact that they are the defending champions, right? And that they've won the head-to-head matchups. The first game was at was the last game on a four-game um, road trip, West Coast trip for the Connecticut Sun. And that was the game where Kurt Miller was suspended and then the Storm had a late comeback and won the game in overtime. Um, and then the everyone, second time, you know, one real quick, everyone's talking about Kurt Miller suspended. You mean Brandy Poole was head coach. Right, right. I'm sorry. And then the second matchup was the first game, I believe, without John Quell Jones. So it was this huge blowout. Um, and it was actually the only loss that the Connecticut Sun have had at home this season. So I think when you're talking about them as a contender, what's really, really scary is looking at them as a top two seed or as the top seed that will have home court advantage in the playoffs, because it's a huge advantage. They're 13 and one at home and they're eight and five on the road. Uh, And like I said, the only loss came in that head to head, but why do they not get the respect? I mean, you have to look at the recent accolades. You have to look at, like I said, the storm winning the title, but also the fact that they're led by Stewie, who's got a, you know, a half dozen titles in the last, in the last year, it feels like. And that the, yeah, the other the other biggest contender is the Las Vegas Aces, who made it to the championship last season with the defending MVP in Asia Wilson. So they've got the accolades there, they've got the narrative there. Whereas the the Sun have been really competitive these last few seasons, and a lot of the the disrespect narrative comes from within and is kind of promoted from within. But there is something to that where they're playing this really like blue-collar style of physical basketball that's just a lot less fun to watch than the flashy play of the Storm who can go out there and put up 110 points on a night when they're just when their big three all has their shots falling. Or when you look at the Aces, who you might think of as a, you know, as a similar build in terms of structure with their with their front court focus, but they run one of the fastest paces in the league. So there's a lot more up and down. And there's just a lot more more fun. There are more runs in those where it's just Connecticut is really just over and over again trying to be aggressive and trying to control the pace and just slow it down. Um, Kurt Miller noted last night that this was their 15th double-figure win. 
and only five teams in the league have 15 wins total. So it's not just that the Sun are winning these games, but they're winning these games that are games that you're going to tune out of halfway through the fourth quarter. Because you even said last night that it was a 10-point differential, and they got outscored by 11 in the fourth quarter because it was such a blowout Mm -hmm. already to that point. So like these games are just... People are not as invested in what Connecticut's doing because it's a lot less fun to watch than the the back and forth shootouts. Very, very true. I have one last question for you before uh, one brief question before we log off, before we do a quick uh, preview of the Connecticut Suns' rest of their schedule. And I'll do that first. They play the Wings. I expect a W. The Sparks, a W. The Mercury will be an interesting one, and then the Dream. Sorry, then the Liberty, and then the Dream. So we're looking at not the toughest schedule for the Sun moving forward, which is all signs positive if you're a Connecticut Sun fan who want that top two seed. Also, I would say it's interesting because if you look at the Sun and you kind of compare them to last year's team, uh, and similarly with the Aces, I would say the Sun are a better team than they were last year. The Aces are not, which tells you a lot considering in the semis they went to game five. Um Real quick question, John Paul Jones, is she getting enough attention in the Defensive Player of the Year award race? We know Oof. she's a lock for MVP, I think, but Defensive Player of the Year, talk to me. I mean, I love it. When you just watch when you just watch her play on the defensive end, she can stop somebody posting up, she can switch onto a guard or a forward and block a jumper. There was a play yesterday where Natasha Cloud tried to drive and kick back out uh, to an open shooter and JJ got into the lane and just tipped a pass and just flicked a forward, just like a lead pass that I don't even remember who it was, but someone just chased it down for a wide open layup after that. And it was just like, how is she that aware of her surroundings and also just that long at the same time? She's averaging... so. We know her her offensive stats. She's third in scoring at over 20 a game. She leads the league in rebounding at 11 a game. And her shooting splits are phenomenal. But she's also averaging north of a steal and a block apiece. So she's, she's not taking possessions off on the other end. And I think that when you talk about the identity of this team and when you talk about a team that in defensive rating is so far ahead of everyone else, you look at where they build their defense out from. And... Someone else on the team who doesn't get anywhere near enough appreciation is Brianne January because her perimeter defense allows for the for the bigs to often stay home and to be in the best situation possible. But this is really just a, a huge combined team effort, um, and I would love to see I would love to see JJ in that conversation. I don't see it happening just because of some of the the flashier numbers that you'll get from maybe a, a Brittany Sykes or a Sylvia Fowles who's been phenomenal. Um, but I like that she's in the conversation. And to end this episode, just looking real quickly at the Mystics games moving forward, they got to play the Lynx, tough game, then the Storm, another tough game, the Dream, Sky, the Liberty, and then the Lynx again. So tough rest of the season for the Washington Mystics. Miles, as always, thank you so much for joining me. Winsider is your one-stop shop for all your WNBA news and conversation. We can't do it without your help. Become a subscriber at patreon.com backslash winsider. For just a few dollars a month, you can help grow the game.